Senior Pilot in Echo, turn right at 120, vector to the balance. It's IFR Flight Radio. 120, If you have questions about how to talk to air traffic control while flying IFR, we have the answers. Here's 4 Sierra Romeo, turn right at 090. Here's your host, Jeff Canarish. If you've read my bio, you know I fly four different models of the Boeing 757 and 767. Uh, The domestic model of the 757, which is the 757-200, has a wide range of airspeeds for approach and landing. I've landed the 75 as slow as 112 knots and as fast as 165 knots. The approach speed depends on the aircraft's gross weight and the adjustments for wind speed. So let's say today my aircraft's gross weight is relatively light and the surface winds are calm. I'd venture my calculated airspeed would be about 117 knots. That's 117, 117 knots, which for an airliner is pretty slow. Let's also say I'm taking radar vectors to a visual approach and I'm only 2,000 feet above airport elevation as I'm on vectors. The approach controller says to me, Airliner 232, maintain 210 knots until the 5 mile final. Clear the visual approach, runway 27 left. Before I read back that clearance, let's think about this. The controller wants me to maintain 210 knots until 5 miles from the runway, at which point I will have to reduce my indicated airspeed by 93 knots to get all the way down to 117, which is my calculated final approach speed. And I'm going to have to do this while flying downhill on the glide path. I'm sure you know their 757 is aerodynamically clean, which means it does not easily slow down while heading downhill, even at idle power. Put all this together, all this information we've just talked about, and we have a situation in which ATC has asked me to go down, slow down, and configure the aircraft for landing in the next 1,000 feet of altitude loss. In other words, I have just been asked to do something that makes me very uncomfortable. Here's what I would say to ATC in this situation. Airliner 232 will be unable to 10 knots until the 5-mile final. Best we can give you at 5 miles is 180 knots. Airliner 232, roger. Maintain at least 180 knots until a 5-mile final. You're clear the visual approach, runway 27 left. Ah, that's better. Airliner 232 will maintain at least 180 knots until a 5-mile final. Clear the visual approach, runway 27 left. In pilot phraseology, the word unable is extremely powerful. It tells the controller he has asked you to do something that either you or your aircraft is incapable of doing. And this distinction is very important. I really want you to lean forward and pay attention to it. If the controller asks you to do something that your aircraft is clearly incapable of doing, then saying unable is a piece of cake. For example, if ATC says maintain at least 1,500 feet per minute in your rate of climb, but your aircraft can barely make 500 feet per minute at maximum power at your current altitude, then saying unable is inevitable. Where it gets tricky is when the controller asks you to do something that your aircraft is capable of doing, but you are unsure or uncomfortable doing it. Let's go back to my earlier example. I'll admit in the past, I've been able to slow down more than 90 knots very quickly while going downhill in the 757. I did it by lowering the landing gear, raising the speed brake panels on top of the wings, and milking the flaps down just below flap limiting speed. Adding all this drag does a pretty decent job of slowing down the 757. This technique worked, just barely, 
but it also made me very uncomfortable to fly on the ragged edge like that. As I gained more flight experience, I realized there is no reason to fly in a manner that makes me uncomfortable. Now, when ATC tries to steer me into one of those dark corners, I immediately fix the problem by saying, unable, and then telling the controller what I can do. Not only is this a good idea, it's your right as pilot in command. Consolidated Federal Regulation 91.123, paragraph A says, When an ATC clearance has been obtained, no pilot in command may deviate from that clearance unless an amended clearance is obtained. The paragraph goes on to talk about deviations for an emergency or to avoid a collision, but its main point is you must follow ATC's instructions until you work out alternate instructions with the controller. My point is, if ATC asks you to do something that you cannot do or do not want to do, you can't arbitrarily choose to ignore the controller's instructions. You have to communicate that you are unable to follow the controller's instructions, and the controller should follow up with alternate instructions. So let's say the controller told me to maintain 210 knots until a 5-mile final, and all I said was unable. Nothing else, just unable. By the letter of the law, that's enough. And the controller should give me amended instructions in response. But I haven't given my controller any guidance about what I could do, so he may very well respond, airliner 232 maintained 200 knots until the five-mile final. Well, sure, 200 knots is better than 210 knots, but not by much. If you tell ATC unable, it would help your cause if you also told the controller what you can do. Airliner 232 will be unable to 10 knots. Best we can give you is 180 knots until a five-mile final. Airliner 232, roger. Maintain 180 knots or greater until a five-mile final. The key to this is complete communication. You can unable yourself all over the place with ATC, but it might not help very much if you don't also tell the controller what you can do. We've spent some time talking about this concept using an airline analogy. Let's look at some examples that would more likely apply in a light general aviation aircraft. Let's say you've just landed, and you're screaming down the runway on landing rollout. Tower says, Bonanza 3-8 Whiskey, make the next right turn at Taxiway Charlie. Well, Taxiway Charlie is 300 feet ahead, and you are still nowhere near taxi speed. If you try to turn off at Charlie as Tower directed, you're either going to blow a tire by braking too hard, or you're going to have to take the corner on two wheels. This is clearly a situation your aircraft is incapable of handling. So you say, Bonanza 3-8 Whiskey is unable, Charlie. We can make Delta. Bonanza 3-8 Whiskey, Roger. Exit via right turn at Delta. Here's a new situation. You are just entering the radar downwind for landing when ATC says, Cessna 30 Delta, we've turned the airport around. We're now landing runway 18. This will be short vectors to a seven-mile ILS final to get you in ahead of another aircraft. ATC has just said this to you, and you have just set your cockpit up for an ILS to runway 36. Now ATC is telling you not only will you be landing on the opposite runway, you'll also be given short vectors to get you on the runway as quickly as possible. Your aircraft can certainly handle this situation, but can you? You have to pull up the approach chart for the other runway and reconfigure your radio setup for a new approach, and oh, by the way, you're flying by yourself. If this was me, I would be very uncomfortable accepting this situation. 
Cessna 30 Delta will be unable short vectors. I'll need at least a 10 mile final to get set up for the approach. Cessna 30 Delta, roger. This will be vectors to a 12 mile final approach, number two for the ILS runway 18. To wrap this up, let's address the elephant in the room. Why would ATC ever ask you to do something that puts you on the edge? The answer is most controllers, most of the time, will not intentionally ask you to push your limits. When you feel ATC is pressing you, it's rarely because the controller is unfamiliar with the capabilities of your aircraft. Controllers know, for example, a stock Cessna 172 can't climb continuously at 2,500 feet per minute at any altitude. Most likely, if ATC is pushing you into an uncomfortable corner, it's because the controller does not know where the edge of your comfort zone sits. It's up to you as pilot in command to communicate your limits to the controller. Use the word unable when it applies to your aircraft or to you and follow up with a brief explanation of what you are capable of doing. Got it? If not, or if you have any other ideas, leave a comment below in the show notes for this show at ifrflightradio.com or write to me directly at jeff at atccommunication.com. In our last show, I asked you this question. You are flying northeast on Victor Airway 17 between the San Antonio Vortac and the Centex Vortac. The controller at Houston Center says, Cessna 30 Delta, turn right 20 degrees, vectors for traffic. As you turn to the right, you read back, Cessna 30 Delta, right 20 degrees. The controller follows up with, Cessna 30 Delta, expect direct... And then the radio goes silent. Since that next transmission was cut off, you say, Cessna 30 Delta, say again. There's no response. In fact, you hear no other transmissions from the controller or from any other aircraft. You look at your radio control heads and notice the entire stack of radios and your transponder appears unpowered. You try contacting Houston Center again, and not only do you not get a reply, you can't even hear a side tone of your own voice as you transmit. You run through every procedure you can think of to revive your radios, but nothing works. And you do not have a portable battery-operated radio on board to act as a backup. Without question, you are radio out, or Nordo if you prefer. At this point, do you turn left to rejoin Victor 17 and continue along your previously cleared route of flight, or do you turn left and proceed from your present position direct to the Centex Vortac? Here's the answer. In this situation, according to Consolidated Federal Regulation 91.185, you should re-intercept the Victor airway you had been previously cleared to fly. In this case, since you were placed on a vector off course to the right, you should turn left to re-intercept Victor 17. Let's look at CFR 91.185 to see why this would be the correct course of action and why the other choices don't apply. CFR 91.185 says, when your radio fails while IFR for routing, you're expected to fly by the route assigned in the last ATC clearance received, or if being radar vectored by the direct route from the point of radio failure to the fixed route or airway specified in the vector clearance, or in the absence of an assigned route 
by the route ATC has advised may be expected in a further clearance or in the absence of an assigned route or a route that ATC has advised may be expected in a further clearance by the route filed in the flight plan. You might remember all this as the acronym, the first four letters in the acronym Avenue Fame, A being assigned, V being vectored, E being expected, or F being filed, Avenue F. So although in this situation we were being radar vectored when our radio failed, there was no additional information about routing provided in the vector clearance. For example, the controller did not say this will be vectors to the Centex Vortec. All he said was, turn right 20 degrees, vectors for traffic. He was in the middle of saying, expect direct, but we never heard the rest of this statement because our radios quit before he finished his transmission. And we can't use the partial statement he said as guidance. So the paragraph in 91.185 that talks about flying direct to a point given in an expect further clearance does not apply. And the last paragraph talks about following your filed route absent any other guidance from ATC. Well, we had been previously cleared on Victor 17, so we are not without guidance from ATC. Listen, I know 91.185 and its application can be very confusing. That's why I've laid it all out for you with very clear examples in my newest book, Radio Mastery for IFR Pilots. If you don't have your copy of the book yet, you can find it right now at Amazon.com. There's a link that takes you directly to the book at Amazon.com on every single page of my website, IFRFlightRadio.com. I've designed it to help make communication with ATC an absolute breeze. Check it out. And now, here's a new question for you to ponder. If you have ever departed IFR from an uncontrolled airport, you were probably issued a clearance void time. The controller said to you, for example, Void if not off by 1015, time now, 1001 and one half. Basically, this meant ATC had approved your takeoff anytime before the clearance void time of 1015 Zulu. With that in mind, here's your question. We know what a clearance void time is. What is a release time, and how might ATC use it for your flight? I'll have the answer to that question, along with a full explanation of how it was derived, in your next edition of IFR Flight Radio. Music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're flying this week, I hope you have high ceilings and a smooth ride. And remember, if ATC asks you to do something for which your aircraft is incapable or which makes you uncomfortable, don't hesitate to say unable and then tell the controller what you can do. I'm Jeff Canarish for IFRFlightRadio.com saying be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.